Yes, g'day everyone. It is Wednesday, August 10, the Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio, and a very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening. And we've got uh, another guest co-host this morning, pinch hitting for Clarkey, who will just start to be trembling as he knows that flight home and uh, early alarm is not too far away, I'm sure. But uh, the great Phil Moss joining us. Mossy, morning to you. Good morning, Mido. Morning, Loz. Great to be here. Um, fresh off a holiday myself, so I know that feeling of that first alarm, and uh, it's not nice. It uh, certainly, I broke into a bit of a sweat when I heard my first one this week. I'm glad you bought your banana. Yes, Loz, Loz has a fruit timetable we've discovered in the last week. Yeah, yeah. Mandarin. What is it? Seven six thirty. Seven thirty. Yeah. Then he goes seven thirty eight eight thirty. Then he goes to the is it the banana or the apple? No, next? I'm flexible. Oh right, okay. I thought it was rigid. Flexibility, no, no. Is flexibility is key. Mm. Yeah, that's the that, mm. oh, that's what you've got to do early yeah. in the morning. You've got to have that flexibility. If you don't have flexibility, and you're very rigid. You don't move. You don't move with the times. You can't move laterally. Can <laughs> no, you? exactly right. So mm. I need to move with the times. I've got to stay um, upbeat. I've got to stay positive, and that's how I get my positivity mm. by eating like my it. fruit. I want to ask you something though, Mossy, about yes. holidays. And I always find if I go on holidays. So if I'm off five weeks, all right, at the end of the year, I start dreading the fact that I've got to go back to work probably four or five days before I actually get back to work, but I dread it while I'm still on holidays. When did you get that feeling while you were away in Bali? Or did you completely forget about it for the 11 days that you were there? Or where did you actually go, that's right. When I come back, I've yeah. got to get ready for work. No, you're spot on. I, um, I actually spoke to my wife, Penny, about this because I said, there's no way we're just going for seven days. We went to Bali, obviously. And I said, because it takes you three days to get into it. And then with about three days before you return, you start. The... So it was the three days. So yeah. after about eight days, yeah. three days, yeah, you yeah. thought, yeah. oh, that's And right. she said it. She said, clearly, I could, I could see your brain switching. Yeah. Straight back to work, mate. It's weird, isn't it, when yeah. people say, go away, enjoy your holiday. But yeah. you, the end of your holiday, you start to think about your yeah. work. 100%. Yeah. But, yeah, no, but I think 11 days we were away for, and that was that was about right in, in Bali in that those conditions and feel, feel really relaxed and uh, it was good, good fun, good to get out of our culture as well. Did you get out and about? Was there yeah. a lot of people over there? Yeah. Mate, it a lot was, of tourists. It was there. Bali as, as, as we knew it. It was... Um, People were so friendly, that, you know. They just—they're so excited that tourism is is back and and planes are landing and people are going over there and spending money and because they rely so heavily on on tourism, obviously. Mm. But there there was in Seminyak where we were, there was some places that I remember that were thriving that were closed down and and run down. Um, so that clearly some businesses fell over during during COVID, as you'd expect, unfortunately. But but no, it was it was really good. And how's Arnie? It's only about, what, 100 and something days? I think nearly 100 days till the World Cup. So mm-hmm. how's he feeling this far out? Was he able to relax or Absolutely. is the mind just ticking over a million miles an hour? No, I, I could see by day three he'd really cleared his brain and, and he was really relaxed. And, uh, you know, he's the type that goes away and, and really switches off and... and has a lot of lot of quiet time. We didn't bother each other during the day. It was usually happy hour. We'd get together for a Perfect. couple of beers and and a meal with the girls. But we did a few walks and um, yeah, he's he's in a really really good place and uh, 
and that's so important. And you can see that there's some players starting to to move clubs and get game time. Martin Ball, Matty Reiner on the move, so that always helps the coach because he starts to get confidence that his key players are going to be playing games. Are we any closer to knowing whether Tommy Rogic should be available? We're a bit closer to knowing where he may end up, which is Cyprus. They're, they're the headline, so it looks like... Because one of the concerns I had was that he was going to quietly slip into retirement because the season's upon us now and we still don't know what he's doing. And there was there was just silence for, for so long. Um, so if he does end up at least at a club, then there's more chance that he'll want to go to the World Cup. Um, but there's still been no conversation. Had Arnie's come out publicly and said he's just left him alone to, to sort his uh, situation out. And it's not his job to find him a club. He's a national coach. Um, that's his agent's job. So time, time will tell, but it's a very, very strange situation. And I know, you know, the national coach is, is no clearer on it. Theoretically, gee, the next well, Socceroos coach that's taking us through World Cup qualifiers, they're going to have it a fair bit easier, at least theoretically, considering it's going to 48 teams, isn't it? The next edition, yeah. and you're getting at least, uh, what, I think eight teams from the Asian Confederation will be there, possibly nine. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's look, for countries like Australia, Japan, you know, Korea, Saudi, um, you know, there's no such thing as automatic qualification unless you're hosting the tournament, of course. Um, but, gee, it's it's a pretty easy ride considering what we're used to. Um, I'm not a fan. I, we've, mm. we've spoken about it on air before. I'm not a fan of sending the World Cup to 48 teams. I think it's a grab for money, um, which is a real shame because we've got the pinnacle event in world sport, um, not not just our code. Um, but anyway, it is what it is, and uh, it looks like Australia will, um, will get an easier passage. Um, but... You know, we, we've got a lot of work to do with our game here in the in Australia. Yeah, it just seems all administrations everywhere. Everyone wants to put more on, put more on. Mm. You know, give broadcasters more, get more money. But I think you're going to find in ten, fifteen years' time, there's going to be real negatives felt for that, particularly when it comes to player welfare and you know players like you just see it in cricket at the moment. It's an absolute mm. disaster. The schedule. And that's going to happen with football, naturally, and and other sports as well. You know, even now we're talking rugby league going to eighteen clubs and the impacts that's going to have. And, and to go to forty, I'm with you, Mossy. I just think it completely dilutes everything by taking the World Cup to was it forty eight countries? Forty eight teams. Well, yeah. so how many countries in the world these days? Two yeah. hundred. I mean, seriously. Yeah. One, one point of time, it's a huge element of prestige, isn't it? Making mm. a World Cup and an achievement. Mm. To get to that, and when you got a quarter of the world essentially going there, that's right. And, it and, if you, it. and if you look at our last two qualifiers, you know, everyone in Australia, and it wasn't just football fans because Australians want their teams to be at the big dance, whatever the code is. Um, no one would have had fingernails going into that Peru game um, because of the tension around it, and that's that's what makes it so great as well. It's not just the World mm. Cup; it's the tension. Um, to actually get there. So, um, yeah, anyway, we'll see. But uh, for now, we've got this uh, last World Cup of 32 teams to celebrate and the Socceroos will be there flying the flag. That's good for Australia, though, isn't it, financially? Because uh, they yeah. need a kick. Yeah, of it's course. Australia need a kick. So if yeah. you're qualifying for the World Cup every four years and, you know, the, the injection of that money goes back into the game. Mm. There's we, a silver we, lining. We, yeah, we, we shouldn't be sort of too worried about that. Yeah, I mean, I, need, I I know what you you mean with, you know, going to a World Cup. You want to make sure that you're, you know, well prepared and you're you've deserved your spot there. But Australia will always 
you know, fight above their weight. But mm. the money that they receive from making a World Cup is massive for the game here. And without it, we could struggle. Absolutely. This is why Loz used to win games as a player and a mm. coach, because he used to think of the silver lining in every mm. dark cloud. And that, that is one. There's no doubt about it, Loz. Uh, the injection of that cash is crucial for our game to develop it. Mm. Um, but I, th- that was a traditionalist in me talking from a football yeah. perspective. Financially and from a commercial point of view, yeah. Yeah. fantastic. And here in Australia, of course, we need it because you've, you're up against so many different sports mm. where other countries don't have that. Yeah. Yeah, you you are for Australia in particular. Yeah. It's a huge benefit, but mm. for the game overall, I wonder what Debbie should it could potentially do. Yeah, in dilu- and I, and I, diluting the product. Yeah, that's right. And I, yeah. I do wonder what the pot will be. I mean, you know, Andrew Redmayne's save was worth around fourteen mil um, straight Is he straight away. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but he might get a contract. I'd be asking. <laughs> you'd have to ask, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course you'd yeah. ask the question. But um, yeah, so I don't know if they if it'll still be worth that to qualify, or, or that might come down a bit. But as you said, any injection's a good injection when it comes to cash into football. Uh, overnight, Serena Williams writing for Vogue, one of your favourite magazines, Mossy, uh, says that she'll be quote evolving away from tennis after the upcoming US Open. Let's face it, she's retiring, 40 years of age, uh, 23 Grand Slam titles. So that's just one behind Margaret Court. But I think you'd probably have to say Serena's the greatest women's tennis player of all time. She's been brilliant, hasn't she? And the, the whole Williams family have brought a, a real theatre to uh, to tennis over over many years. But that's an interesting word, evolving away from yeah, It doesn't tennis. like to not, use retirement. Yeah, but not transitioning away either. It was evolving mm. away, which mm. I kind of like. I kind of <laughs> like that that terminology. Um, to, it says to me that she's going to grow away from the, the sport, which is fantastic. But, yeah. How many great memories have uh, has she given us and, and, as I said, the whole family? Okay, back pages of the papers. Take week off on the back page of the telly. Unprecedented ban for Semen Slur. The Sydney Morning Herald. Banned, fined. Stuart brought to heel for weak gutted dog attack. Back page of the Australian. NRL entrusts Stuart and Raiders to adhere to ban. So he was handed a one-match ban. And a $25,000 fine. The Raiders coach, Ricky Stewart, for calling Jamin Semin a weak-gutted dog after that game last Saturday night. So he misses uh, the match against the Dragons this week and he can return to the club next Wednesday morning. Uh, The NRL CEO, Andrew Abdo, said, regardless of any circumstances, it's unacceptable to use that type of language. Uh, We've looked at the context. That's a private matter. And Abdo says he doesn't wish to talk about it. Uh, the Panthers and the Raiders, they issued statements. Uh, the Panthers supporting the NRL's actions. The Raiders accepting them. Uh, Penrith players have been rallying hard around Semin as well. But uh, all in all, I guess uh, a punishment probably very much expected considering how much attention this has garnished and uh, just uh, the nature of the comments that, that were made, Loz, and uh, unprecedented. I mean, he's not allowed to have any contact pretty much with the club until he walks back in the door there next Wednesday morning. Well, not everyone's going to agree with the punishment. You'd have some people that wanted him banned for the rest of the season and the NRL have taken everything into account. Some people will think that it's still heavy-handed giving him a one-game suspension um, and a $25,000 fine. But um, that is what he's facing. That's what he'll accept. And he's trying to move on as quickly as he possibly can, as would Jamin Semin, I would assume. And... Um, you know, the quicker that this was dealt with, the better. Um, 
uh, you know, Ricky has has regretted what he said in the, in that forum. He's he's a man that um, wears his heart on his sleeve, but he realises he's stuffed up there, um, and he's quite happy to accept whatever punishment was was given to him. And um, you know, I think this is the first time I've seen it happen um, here in Australia to to a sporting coach. But I get the feeling this could be the norm moving forward mm. with coaches. Now that it's happened. Now that it's happened. Yeah, yeah, there's a yardstick there. I think if coaches overstep the mark or if they're repeat offenders, then this could be sort of the benchmark. What do you reckon, Mossy, as far as that? Yeah, I was, look, I was just talking to Loz off air. And f- first and foremost, you know, I hope Ricky's okay because the, the pressure that comes with coaching at the top level is, is huge. As we know, he's done it for, I think this is his 20th season. Um, approximately, um, and it wears you down. And when things happen away from, you know, the field and and around your family, um, you're in this situation in a post-match press conference where the emotions are running high, and something just ticks you off. And it's uh, I, I know how easy it is. I mean, there's no no doubt Ricky crossed the line, and he's, you know, you do the do the crime, you do the time. Um, but um, yeah, it's. It, it's certainly a line in the sand, isn't it? And and I think the fact that they've made the fine personal, um, not not allowing the club to pay for it, um, I think is also a, a bit of a bit of a statement that um, that other codes may um, may look at. Um, but yeah, let's hope it doesn't happen again. And and a lot of coaches, you know, around Australia will look at this as an example of just uh, making sure that their emotions are in the right place when the cameras and microphones are in front of them. Yeah, I think this is about the right punishment, considering his comments were so unprecedented in reference to another player. Regardless of the history, I can understand the NRL really ruling a line in the sand with this. But as Loz says, uh, now are we going to see more suspensions of coaches, and and what does that mean going forward? But uh, I think look, it's a huge. You call. know what? I look at it and um and, and I think about that punishment and that like a 100% ban from anything to do with football. I, in a strange sort of way, I think that's the NRL looking after Ricky's well-being, going, you know what, to, to cross the line the way you did, you, you really do need a break. You need to freshen your brain up. Um, and, and maybe that was partly behind it. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a punishment for, for doing the wrong thing, but um, you know, maybe a week off completely will just help Ricky freshen up. Uh, also on the back pages of the papers, uh, the Swans yesterday, and uh, one of their best, Josh Kennedy, is set to retire. So the headline, Champ Josh's Swan Song, back page of the telly, and uh, he's there on the back page of the Australian as well. Resident Kennedy calls time at the Swans, set to retire. Uh, their midfield great at the end of the season. This is his 16th season, 34 years of age. He's obviously from Hawthorne Royalty with his father and uh, grandfather in particular as well. 290 games. He only played 13 of those for the Hawks early in his career. Uh, three-time All-Australian, three-time club champion, 2012 Premiership player, former captain. And uh, he says the decision was made as well before he suffered yet another hamstring injury in the reserves there on Sunday. And as far as stats are concerned in the AFL, he is the all-time leader in contested possessions. Loz, that tells you he puts his head where others haven't, more often than anyone else since that stat at least has been tracked. Oh, he's been a wonderful player for the Sydney Swans and he's been the heart and soul there for a long period of time. He's been a premiership winning player. Um, obviously 
at the back end of his career, he's getting some injuries, and in particular to his hamstrings. And uh, when you start getting hamstring injuries at 34 years of age, they take longer and longer to come back from. So it'll be highly unlikely we'll see him again. You never say never because the Swans uh, may get some injuries um, at the back end of the year, depending on how deep they go into September. But he's going to find himself on the sideline for at least a month or so to try and recover from his hamstring injury. But it'll be great to see him um, be a part of another Swans premiership because it's an open year for the AFL. I think there's one of possibly six sides there that are capable of winning. Um, And the Swans are as good a chance and as good a hope as anyone. Also back page of the Herald, ditch battle. Unsettled star Isaiah Papali'i is considering asking for a release from his West Tigers contract for next year to return home to New Zealand with his old club, the Warriors. I'll tell you what, Loz, the one consistent with this Isaiah Papali'i situation, he is not one bit enthused about heading to the West Tigers next year, despite signing a a three-year deal worth upwards of $2 million. Well, this is something that the league will have to look at because Papali'i signed in good faith. And he signed knowing the dramas that was going on at the Tigers. And if he hasn't got a get-out clause that says, if Michael Maguire is no longer coach, I can get out of my contract, then he's obligated to go there. Mm. And if you're the West Tigers, he's a really good player, Papa Lee. You're standing your ground. 100%. You're standing your ground on him and saying, no, 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 no. No, this is watertight. You're coming. And if you don't want to come, well, the club that you want to go to, let them come to us and let's discuss a deal Mm. because we need to get something out of this deal. You're our player and we're not going to release you. Mm. That's the way I'd be looking at it. 100%. Because it it also, no matter what coaches say, it also has an impact on the dressing room when it happens during a season. Um, When you know a player's signed for another club for the following season, it does have a ripple effect in the mm. dressing room. So if it's all for nothing, um, then that's disappointing as well. It's just another ingredient thrown into the mix. Well, when you're doing your recruitment, they signed him, what, months ago? They've, they've yeah. spent this money on a back rower mm. and they feel as though they've got the right back rower. So there's a lot of other back rowers that possibly they could have missed out on between now and then. Mm. Definitely. That have moved on. Mm. So, so so that's another reason you're going, well, no, you, you, you're coming to us. Mm. If he hasn't got a clause in his contract that stipulates I can leave if Michael Maguire is no longer the coach, then he's going to the West Tigers. Absolutely. Just this text on the Serena Williams retirement, I have to read it out. Hey, Mido, how can you say Serena is the GOAT when she's still one major behind Margaret Court? Last time I checked, 24 was higher than 23, champ. It's like saying another team is better than Penrith this year. More wins equals better team. Okay, so Michael Jordan won six NBA championships. Bill Russell won 11. Who do you think the better player was? Who do you think was the greatest dominating player of all time? Jordan or Bill Russell? Bill Russell was a sensational player and won, what, I think 11 titles with the Celtics. Don't tell me Jordan wasn't the greatest basketballer of all time, particularly in relation to Bill Russell. So I think Serena, as far as pure domination of opponents over a long period of time, and her, her power game was unlike any power we've seen in tennis. In statistics, so often we can just say one's got more than the other and say, well, that's it. Yeah, but is uh, that the only measure? Well, the only measure you can have, I, I believe, is you, you look at it through eras. 
because you can't compare even mm. rugby league players, the great rugby league players from, you know, the Daly Messengers and, you know, Clive Churchill's from the 50s, 60s, or Norm Provens and Rapers and all them from that era to the era of, of today. It, it's just completely different games. And if exactly. you look at what a fullback did back then compared to the great fullbacks of today. So true. Completely yeah. different. Mm. Completely different. And you'd be looking at them going, well, they haven't got the same work rate as the fullback. So you can only judge in your era, I, mm. I believe. Mm. And it's hard to define the greatest mm. because there has been so many great tennis players throughout era, the era, uh, you know, all different eras, so, basketballers throughout so many different eras, rugby league players, whatever sport you talk about. It's, it's hard to nominate the best. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Loz, I know... It's it's so difficult. We always have the the Pele, Maradona, Messi, Ronaldo yeah. argument, you know. But and it's Tiger and Jack Nicklaus. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and because we're younger and we get to see these people, we obviously go to them straight away. Mm. But you know, guys that are eighty and ninety that can remember a lot of players before us when they were growing up as kids, they will tell you that their best player and the players that they loved. We're as good, if not better, than today's player. Yeah, yeah. What what I'd love to do is put, which you can never do, but imagine swapping the eras of the players. Like imagine Pele playing in the in the current environment with sports science and perfect pitches and lighter footballs and all that. Like what he used to be able to do on mud with a with a leather ball with 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 stitches down the middle of it was remarkable. So, yeah, it's it's an impossible argument. We've got Dick Fane coming up shortly from the States. Got to read this text out from Wise Our Text line number, by the way, 0419767272. Morning, gents. Off topic. But was driving to work listing and thinking, what was the first car you gents bought? Mido, Ford Cortino. Cortina. Loza, Holden Tirana. Mossy, Valiant Charger. Wise Our sending that one through. Go on. What, what did, uh, what was my it? first car was a Datsun 180B. Brilliant. Colour? Brown. <laughs> <laughs> what a brown Mitsubishi Colt once. <laughs> Tell what you yours, what, Mossy? I'm loving the choice from Wise Owl. I'll, I'll take a Valiant Charger any day of the week. I had a Valiant Charger. Did you? Yeah. yeah. No, I, did, I didn't have one. My first one was a Holden Chimera station wagon. I had to have room in the boot for the, the surfboard. Didn't have roof racks back in those days. And uh, it was Kermit the Frog Green. Oh, oh gorgeous. <laughs> oh. I, I had a um, green Tirana. So I've had a Tirana. I've had the Valiant. I've had the Datsun 180B. I've had all the good cars. Really? Mm. What about you, Mido? What was your Yeah, choice? green. I was a, just Commodore, Commodore for years. Green 1990 Holden Commodore was my first car. It got stolen. Really? True story. <laughs> I was living in Coogee during uni. And, yeah, I hadn't used the car for three or four days. I'm walking up and down the street and I'm, what's going on here? It took me about half an hour. I'm thinking, do I have a brain tumour or something? I, I go dark and deep. Like, what have I done? Oh, it's been stolen. And sure enough, about six weeks later, Constable at Hoxton Park, I think it was, was found on a ramp. Nah, you wouldn't insure that, mate. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, I remember the, 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 the officer says to me, do you want to come and pick it up? I'm like, what does it look like? He's like, I'd get a scrap metal guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's you know, traumatic moment, Mossy. Oh, having mate, your car stolen. Uni student in yeah. Sydney from the bush. Yeah, it was what, tough times. What about these days? Like, obviously, 
you know, I've got kids who are all now driving, and they want their first cars to be BMWs and Tiguans, European. What? Tiguan. What's a Tiguan? Volkswagen, Tiguan. Oh, it's Volkswagen. Made, never heard yeah. of it until my daughter said no. I want to buy one. Anyway, mm. times have changed, though. Just get what you're given. Exactly. That's that was be the old day. Yeah. And if someone gave you one, the yeah. old man gave you one, oh. you just were happy. Do you know you what? My, my, my old man had a, uh, a Alfa Romeo Spider soft top. Right? And, uh, Did you get your hands on that? Mate, it was my dream, and he was gonna he was gonna sell it to me on my 18th birthday when I got my my full license and um, rust, because back in those days, you know, they weren't rust proofed, and on the on the northern beaches with the salt air, yeah, it just got too much. It got too expensive for him, and he he flogged it before uh, to scrap metal. Oh, you would have had your eye on it for a mate. I was of time. devastated. What, four years, five years. I was devastated. Oh, longer than that. Longer than since, that. Since ever since I knew what a car was, yeah. that was going to be me driving it. And I stole it a couple of times <laughs> when I was about sixteen, yeah, fifteen, sixteen. Parents went away, mm. but um, yeah, no, that was one of my big regrets as a child. Not what, getting my hands on that. Did you have the top down? Oh yeah. Even when you stole it. Yeah, top, <laughs> oh, mate, top you're running down. the risk there that someone would El- see you. Elbow up, driving you in. in. <laughs> it was a manual as well. <laughs> uh, good good old days, eh? Yeah. Uh, Dick Fane coming up soon uh, to talk all things American sport. Uh, Sydney FC, by the way, have signed a Slovakian international, former Man City winger. Well, this is before City, I guess, became a powerhouse, though. Uh, Robert Mack, two-year deal. He's been playing in Hungary. Uh, Steve Corica says there's more sightings to come as well, Mossy. Yeah, that's right. It, it, look, he looks like a very good signing. 73 caps, um, including the Euros 2016, 2020. Um, and um, he's played over 30 games in the Champions League and Europa League. So uh, this is a big signing for Sydney FC. Fans have been getting a little bit um, impatient. Uh, waiting for, for, for this day to come. Well, it's finally come. They've got their first big signing. Um, and Stevie Corica, you know, I really like the way he's he's not listened to fan sentiment. He's taken his time, and it looks like he's got a very, very good footballer. What, what do the players have to understand when they come to play in the A-League, Mossy? But also, what's the hardest thing they've got to adapt to from being in the leagues overseas, c- coming out here to Australia? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Loz, because there's quite a bit. There's the, the conditions as, as far as the pitches are much harder here, right? So the pitches that you're training on and playing on week in, week out, day in, day out, are much harder than in Europe, um, which takes a toll on, on your legs, of course, and, and your overall body. Um, playing in the heat um, through summer is, is a big thing. There's some three o'clock kickoffs. Um, you know, the night games I, I always prefer, but there are some three o'clock kickoffs. Uh, if you're in the Champions League, you can go from minus two, three in Japan, Korea, China, and have to play in Perth in 37 degrees right. four days later. Yeah. So the travel um, in Europe, generally you don't travel as much as what you do in Australia. An interstate flight here could be Sydney to Perth, for instance. Um, so yeah, there's there's quite a bit to get used to that the players don't have over there, and also I think that the weekly um, routine of playing on the weekend and midweek over there because there's so many cup competitions, um, that's not always the case here in Australia. Sometimes it's seven, eight days between games. Right. And you know all those big clubs, or, or even if you just any club in the EPL. I'm assuming they just have their own buses, and if they're going to fly in the Champions League or whatever, they just get their own. Flight, charter flight. Yeah, so they're not having to yep. go to the airport and go through the same 
yep. issues and have the same issues as us. <laughs> you know, the plays are delayed and all that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. sharing seats in seats, uh, yeah. economy class. And <laughs> <laughs> How do they cope with that? Uh, it's not easy, especially yeah. the Asian uh, jaunts where you got to, you're, you're on the plane for a long time. Yeah. And I've, there's been plenty of times I'm like this, you know, squeezed between uh, mm. two of the general public. But anyway, look, it is what it is, but... Uh, it's that that that's. But, you know, but think, are they they have to be a, a more uh, skillful player or a tough player in our comp. Well, I think it comes down to the 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 mental side. You got to be mentally tough. So so I I always looked when I was recruiting. I always looked at you know ha, has the player left their home country before or is this their first move to a, to a different culture, different um, different country because I think that can play a part as well. But then on the flip side of that, you don't want a player who's moved around all the time because then you're thinking, well, you know, they might just come and go and, yeah. you know, um, have a bit of a jolly up. So I think the intent of the player, what what's their intent or intention for, for coming to Australia? Silly, silly question, but do you look for a player that's possibly married and got kids? Uh, that's, not silly, than, that's not a silly question. Rather than a... Single guy? Yeah, well, yes, because you like to think that they're going to be settled um, and come here focused on football. Um, Dwight York was probably an exception when he came out to Sydney yeah, FC. Was was first all, name I thought of. All yeah. night, Dwight. Um, yeah, but I, I know that. But he delivered. Good. You know, yeah. he delivered on the pitch. But is that something you you yeah. walk out and consider? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you, like you, there's so much due diligence to do with your recruitment overseas because we often don't get the chance to fly over there and see them in their own environment. You, you're kind of doing it off footage and and references and mm. and things like that. But um, it is being settled off the pitch is so important. I always used to say the A team for me was the the wives and the partners and the girlfriends um, because they spend so much time with the player during the week. If if they're not settled and eating right and getting the, the right amount of rest, there's no way they can perform at their peak on, on weekends. So yeah. I always used to make sure the, you know, the A-team was well looked after by the club. Because um, I was really thinking if you're coming from overseas and you're moving to Sydney and you're on your own, there's obviously plenty of distractions. Mm. So you'd need to be settled. Yep. And I don't know whether you'd, take the risk with a 25, 26-year-old, even though they're professionals. Yeah. Well, again, it comes down to your, it comes down to your due diligence. But there has been examples of younger players coming over here to get regular game time. So there's been some... On exchanges. Sorry? On exchanges or as in like loan? Uh, no, well, sometimes loan. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. But, um, but there's plenty of examples over the years where young players have come here... To, to play regular football, gone back overseas and, and had good careers. Mm. So it depends what the intention is. Uh, we're just struggling to get a hold of Dick this morning. He's on a cruise, apparently, so uh, the reception, bit iffy. Yes, give us a call, 13-53-53. And Mossy tonight, actually, a couple of Australia Cup games. Round of 16, City FC playing Bentley Greens in Melbourne and MacArthur FC travel to Adelaide. They're playing against a side called the Modbury Jets. Is Dwight York back? Because he lost his brother, didn't he? In, yes. Over in the Caribbean yeah. recently in the last few weeks. So that would have been uh, just horrendous for him, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, I believe so. I don't know too much about it, but I, but I did see that. Um, so I don't know if he's back is, is the long and short of it. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, great to see the Australia. I'm a massive, massive, massive fan of the Australia Cup, the old FFA Cup. Um, Mike Cockrell, the late and great Mike Cockrell, was a, a massive advocate of it, and uh, it's great to see that it's flying high in the Modbury Jets. You know, who would who would hear of the Modbury Jets if it wasn't for mm. the Australia Cup? And uh, they uh, they get the limelight tonight, which is fantastic. And uh, and Sydney FC, um, Bentley Greens aren't an easy opponent. They're, they're tricky, especially down there. Um, so that'll be a tough assignment for Steve Corica and his, his players. But um, the Australia Cup for the A-League teams is so crucial because it's giving you meaningful games in the pre-season, which is so important because one of the other challenges, Loz, if we go back to your question earlier, is the length of the pre-season. It's unprecedented in world football mm, right. uh, how long our pre-season is. So the more you can punctuate it with meaningful games, the, the quicker it goes for the players. Question for you on the text line. Hey, Mossy, do you think Leeds United are still going to get relegated? I thought they showed some good signs against Wolves. Some of those new players look sharp and can only get better. Go the Whites, says Mick Fennick. Yeah, good that, uh, good point, Mick, but I'll give you the tip. I'm not going to change my tip after round one. There's no doubt about that. It's you a can't long... do that. You, nah. get, you get slammed it's, anyway. It's a long <laughs> season, um, so I'll stand by it. But certainly, uh, it, it's, it's always good to see the clubs who are favourites to get relegated, get off to a decent start because it, it means that, um, you know, it's, it's it gives some confidence. It breeds confidence within the dressing room. So uh, the longer we can keep the fight alive for those clubs, the more interesting it is at both ends of the, uh, the, the ladder. Uh, UEFA Super Cup tomorrow morning as well. Real Madrid against Eintracht Frankfurt. Madrid $1.42 with tab. Frankfurt $7. The draw $4.50. Just another piece of silverware for someone. But oh, who's our player for Frankfurt again? Scored for us in the shootout during the for, against Peru. Oh. Aussie player. <laughs> oh I'll goodness. think of him shortly anyway. But uh, yeah, that's on tomorrow morning anyway. What's his name? Too early in the morning. Someone will text in and let us know anyway, Mossy. But uh, also, we've got uh, this text here. Morning, boys. Have you blokes heard about Paul Gallon's latest assignment? He's taking on Hodjo and Hennant on the same night. This would be a dream come true for Gal to sort out two Queenslanders at the same time. The only way this could get any better is if they threw in Brent, Tate and Nate Miles. (laughs) Good on you, Gal. Cheers to Ginger Ninja. Say, yes, this is happening. Thursday, September 15th. Nissan Arena in Brisbane. We, we found out who it, who it is. Rustich. Rustich. Aiden Rustich. Of course. <laughs> well done, Loz. Oh. oh, look. Out of the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have put my money oh. on Loz. But uh, anyway, Aiden Rustich. Yes. Aiden Rustich plays yeah. for Frankfurt, yeah. Uh, so, Gallen v. Hodges and Hennon. Now, apparently this Over hasn't 12 been rounds done. or how many rounds? No, no, so they're saying three or four. This is all to be determined as far as the rounds is concerned. So three or four rounds each in each fight. Gallum wants three-minute rounds. And uh, the others will probably be reluctant about that. Instead of two. Now, Do we know who goes first, who goes second? No. Right. The other thing is Gallum wants the fights back-to-back, mm. but the – Boxing authority there in Queensland reluctant. So this the, this part's still to be negotiated. They want him to have a 60-minute break. 60 minute oh, break. you can't do that. No. You, no. You've and got he's to coming out going. straight away and said, at my age, I'm yeah. worried about the Im- impact on my body going you know, three or four yeah. rounds. I, I think the only way this will get up is if Gal has four rounds and then has another four rounds straight away. Yeah. 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 But I, I don't think you can go four rounds, have a rest for an hour. Well, how do you condition yourself for that? Well, you like, can't. Yeah. So you can condition yourself for going eight rounds yeah. straight. But to go four, well, you don't know if it's going to be, it could be a knockout after 
30 seconds. That's exactly right. And then you've got a 60-minute break before you get back in for what might go four rounds. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. And then that emotional roller coaster of getting yourself up to a, a level mentally mm. to challenge someone and then going, yeah, off having a bit of a break and then coming back trying to get yourself ready to go again. That'd yeah. be difficult. Yeah. Gal will win both these fights. Oh, he'd win them easy. He, he's going to, like, he'd Hodges... Win it easy. He's going to destroy Hodjo. Oh, I love Hodjo, but Hodjo's <laughs> no match for Gal. Mm. No. Nah. The only chance he is is having that knockout punch where he just throws a haymaker and it collects Gal. But I've seen plenty of people try and knock Gal out before. They just haven't had success. Yeah. His head's that hard. Apparently, this was last done in Australia by a bloke they used to call Young Griffo, Albert Griffiths, 1890. <laughs> 1890 was the last time on a Pro night yeah. in Australia, there were two fights. Normally, same boxing. Well, they two used to talk opponents. about those. Was it Jimmy Sharman boxing tents that they used to travel around? All right, and like they would go to shows and things like that, and they'd they'd fight, and then you would take on the next person. And oh, okay, yeah, yeah, right. You imagine what the gloves were like in eighteen ninety. Yeah, <laughs> I remember <laughs> going to the Juno boots. <laughs> I remember going to the Juno show one year, and it had a um, like a boxing sort of tent there. And, and just you, get in and do your best. Just get in and do your best. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> just someone to challenge you and you go, right up. Yeah. This is this is a serious question, right? Because I've, I've done a, well, a fight night. Go? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been involved in a fight night at Manly Leagues Club years yeah. and years and years ago, early 90s. And uh, I was working at the Manly Daily and playing football. And um, Anyway, somehow I ended up in the ring in, a, in an exhibition fight night down there. And I just started out working and ended up in the ring. <laughs> Have you ever stepped in a ring? Yeah. I, well, n- not as a professional. No, I, of course. The, the show I did this day. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. All you had was just your gear on and just um, boxing gloves. Yeah. You just went for it. Mate, it was, uh, it was such, in- it was so intimidating actually having two people rip the ropes open and you step in. And then one- once I was in there, I'm looking around going, what have I done? And there was a crowd there, so there's nowhere to hide. I'm thinking, I can't believe I'm actually standing here. It was a surreal moment. When you start getting punched in the head and have to deal with it, that wakes you up. I I used to hate pre-season training at times. They'd throw us into the ring against each other. Really? And it'd always start out. You'd always have someone that was very serious, you know, someone that knew what he was doing. Mm. Then you'd have the other people that thought they knew what they were doing, but just the big haymakers would come out. And then you'd have two people that would just sort of try and stay out of trouble. But then if they cop one, yeah. then it got a bit serious. Yeah, yeah. And, and so then, when then, was... then the boxing would go and then someone would try and tackle him in the ring and get on top of him. <laughs> Who got Mal? No, oh. no one got Mal. Oh. No one got Mal. He'd just have that jab. Yeah. He'd yeah. just look at you and you'd run. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> now we've got it on the line. John, morning to you, mate. How are you? How are you going? Okay. Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Now, as a Tigers fan, I'm sure you're watching this Isaiah Papali'i news with interest. Yes, I've actually got a question because I'm I'm trying to, and I hope I've got this timeline right, especially this early in the morning, boys. But I can't work this out. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Parramatta, Parramatta lose Reed Marnie to the Dogs. After that. Isaiah Papayi signs with the Tigers because Parramatta cannot match the Tigers' offer, which by all media accounts was significantly higher than what Parramatta could offer him. I'm talking about 
what I read, about three to four hundred thousand dollars more. Now, since then, Parramatta re-signed Ryan Madison. They've made offers for Marty Powell and Dave Clemmer. Where has the money suddenly come from to match the Tigers' offer for Isaiah Papayi, which is quite a significant contract that he signed? I mean, I think this is a real watershed moment for the Tigers to hopefully show some metal this time because Parramatta has a history of enticing Tigers players to break contracts. Moses, Madison, and now it looks like the same thing's happening with Papo e. mm. uh, I can't figure out how Parramatta has suddenly got the room in their cap to fit him in, boys, especially when they're looking at upgrading the contracts of Dylan Brown, uh, Guffo, and Mitchell, mate. Yeah, I, I can't get my head around it either, John, because we were led to believe that that was one of the, the reasons why he signed with the Tigers, because of um, you know, the size of the contract and Parramatta couldn't compete. My issue is with, if he hasn't got an agreement with the Tigers that says he can get out if Michael Maguire is no longer coach, then the binding contract is with Papa Lee and the Tigers and that is watertight. And if they hold their ground, then the NRL will need to support the Tigers. And they will say, well, if you want to play rugby league, then you have to go to the Tigers. Otherwise, you can sit out the next couple of years. But a contract is always between two parties. And if two parties come together and work out a deal, then obviously the contract can get dissolved and they may may come to an arrangement where it's in our best interest to let you go, but we want compensation. So they could come together and have an agreement that, we'll do a trade or we want a financial compensation or whatever it may be. But on face value for me, he signed a contract. If he's got no clauses in that contract, you're off. You've got to go. Mm. Otherwise you're sitting out for the next two or three years. Uh, just a reminder, Cosy Osco tickets are on sale now and you could win a share of now $2 million. It's up from $1.3 million to $2 million. You could win a share in after those prize money increases announced by Racing New South Wales recently. So to win a share in $2 million, $5 per ticket, no individual limit on tickets. And where to get your tickets? The Tab app, your local pub, club or tab agency. And just a reminder that sales close Wednesday, September 7. And 14 winning ticket holders will be drawn on Friday, September 9. And then it's over to those ticket winners to do a deal with the connections of various horses that uh, you'd like to see in the Kosciuszko, of course, to be run on Tab Everest Day in October. But uh, with that prize money going up, you could win a share of $2 million. Phil Moss joining us this morning, guest co-host. Clarkie's just counting down until he comes back here in the studio in a few days' time next Monday. Uh, Mossy, you were just telling us a great story. We're talking about, you know, coaches... Well, players avoiding coaches when they want to go out and have a beer. So when you and the great Graham Arnold were together, working together with the Central Coast Mariners there uh, in Terrigal, tell us uh, what the players did to avoid you. Yeah, it was interesting uh, just having a chat with Arnie a few weeks ago. And Daniel McBreen, who who was uh, one of the stars for us uh, in the three years that Arnie was there, um, 
was recently on a coaching course with Arnie and Arnie sat him down and having a quiet chat and a beer and just said it was amazing, you know, our time in Terrigal, Mossy and I, we used to go out for a few beers on a Thursday night just to discuss the, the final session before a game and we'd go, you know, Terrigal Bowling Club, Crown Plaza, you know, just for a couple, we didn't get out of control or anything, but we never, ever saw a single player. And this was like a tactics meeting as well. Yeah, so we yeah. used to sit there and rip up coasters and use them as players, yeah. and that's how we won the comp. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Macca started laughing, like uncontrollably laughing. And Macca, uh, Arnie goes, what, what's so funny? And he says, mate, we had spies everywhere. When you and Mossy walked out of a joint, we were we were right behind you. <laughs> we were straight in. back in. <laughs> <laughs> Terrigal's a small place, right? Yeah. There's only a few establishments, but they had uh, they had their moles at every uh, every venue, and uh, apparently they were there not long after or just leaving before yeah. we were getting there. Like Tim Sheens was the best. Yeah. He had spies everywhere. Oh, you would have you had could no chance. not walk into an establishment without him knowing. Yeah. He would know the next day, and even if you were you were only there for half an hour. I don't know how he did it. Yeah. He would always know. Yeah. And he'd come up and remind you. And say, well, how was last night? And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh. And he'd just be giving you a, a subtle reminder that he knew what you were up to, so don't get out of control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's good. Good leadership, huh? Yeah. Give, us, give us a call, 135353. Uh, Nathan. G'day, Nathan. G'day, Mido. G'day, Mossy. G'day, Loz. How are you? Good, Nathan. Morning, How are you, mate? Good, good, good. Going for the morning walk. I mean, it's a bit frosty. But oh, it's nice and chilly up there, mate. Hey, um, Loz, I just wanted to know when you jumped in the ring pre-season, did you spar Dave Ferner? No, no. He was one bloke that I'd avoid. Because <laughs> oh, he, he can throw him. Yeah, he can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's proper. We, we went on a road trip the other week and it came up and we were just saying when those... Um, Two, two players played up on the rooftop with their cruisers. Um, if he was allowed to go around there and sort them out, it might have changed their cruisers <laughs> a bit more. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story. So when, when I first uh, moved to, to Canberra um, and Dave came about, I think, two years later. But I, I knew Dave through Don, but um, Dave came and saw, uh, signed with the Raiders. So we're there one day and he said, mate, you want to do some... Um, you know, boxing training. And I went, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll do a bit of extra <laughs> boxing training. So he said, come around home. And I, I didn't know Don. I, I knew Don was a fight, Don Senior. He could hold himself, um, uh, hold his hands up very well. But I, I didn't know anything about Dave. So I get around there and, you know, when you go there and you just turn up with your own gloves. And I looked over there, Spurs, he taping his hands. <laughs> and I went, ooh, this looks pretty serious. And then I saw him on the bag. And he goes, your turn. I went, oh, mate, you know what? I, the hand the other I was that embarrassed to throw it at the bag. I just sort of pulled out of the session and made up an excuse about my hand being so sore. And it, I didn't think it was that bad, but, you know, I just had one hit. Oh, mate, I can't do it today. Never went back. <laughs> I was that embarrassed. It was After oops, watching oops him moment. hit the bag, I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm um, out of my depth here. Brilliant. <laughs> we got you there, Nathan? Yeah, still there, yep. Thanks, boys. Yeah, no, nah, he, 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 he was a very, very good good fighter, Dave. Thanks for the call, Nathan. Good on you. Uh, we've got Macca. G'day, Macca. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, mate. You? Yeah, good. I find it good to talk to someone that's going to be there now, Phil Moss, about football for once, you know? <laughs> so, 
So it's about time we've got a host that knows about football, which is great. Maybe Good on you, Macca. Other you guys, but it's good to have someone there. Uh, I want to ask you for a moment, what's your intake of the Joey's under-16 after the South Asian, Asian uh, uh, tournament they played? And obviously it wasn't the result that we were after. What's your input on all that? Yeah, look, it was. you're right, Macca. It wasn't the result we were after. Um, but it's just... I think what we've got to remember is that the national team programs, um, particularly the youth programs, have been on hold for a couple of years because of COVID. So first and foremost, just great to see them back on the pitch and and playing in tournaments. Um, and and the 16s age group obviously is the next uh, next batch of 17s. So that's a the 17s, the 20s are such crucial age groups uh, for the development of our players. So. Not the result we wanted. Um, I know there's been some great appointments. Uh, Brad Maloney's just been appointed to the 17s. Um, Trevor Morgan to the, the under-20s. Um, you've got Tony Vidmar doing the 23s and obviously Arnie um, doing the Socceroos. So it, it, just in the men's side of, of things, um, things are really settled now with some really good coaching appointments. So I think brighter days ahead. Uh, but certainly take your point. That's not the result we were looking for. Even though the Joey didn't do well, we've got to, we also got to understand you can't underestimate the Asian countries and the Middle East countries that they're actually going 100 steps forward where we are going 100 steps backwards. Now, I've got a few mates that play there for the Joeys and, you know, they're even saying to my son, who's the same age as them, but he played half of the players there, and he said that some of the players that they picked were not the right players for the Joeys. And, but unfortunately, that's what it is, you know, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough time to hear because the Asian country and the Arab countries are definitely getting better and better. Mate, the, the amount of money they're spending over there, Macca, is, uh, is frightening. Um, and that's one thing we don't have is uh, bottomless um, pockets. Um, so we've got to find other solutions. And I just I think there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes around our pathways and how we develop the, the production line, if you like. And... Um, but selectors will always win the day when it comes to picking teams. There's always different reasons for it. No one's uh, ever going to agree 100% on selections, but um, it's just good to see the programs up and running. But, mate, good to hear from you, Macca, and uh, you're obviously very knowledgeable, mate. Some great comments. Good on you, Macca. Thanks for the call. Uh, now, there's a few texts here, team. I'm not able to listen to the show on the Tab app or Sky Sports Radio website or any radio app. Seems to be a major issue. Was it from Prospect? Thank you for that. We'll have passed it on to our texts. Uh, that's all we can do, and hopefully they can fix them. But apologies, uh, we'll do our best to ensure that you can listen. Uh, text here as well, I saw a 17-year-old Dave Ferner in the boxing tent at the Canberra show. He took on their champion, who could fight, but after two rounds, he didn't come back for a third. So, what, the Canberra show, is this what used to go on there? Or was this... Uh, the... I, I didn't... Well, you I were saying the June E show. I, for, for, for me, it was yeah. the June E show. Oh, when the June E show. When yeah. I was a kid, I, I, I didn't know Dave at the... At that time, when he was a seventeen-year-old fighting at a Canberra show, no, I, 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 I hadn't heard that one. But <clears throat> I, I know Dave, and the first time I saw him, just hit a bag. It was like, wow, yeah, this bloke can throw him well. All right, and we're talking about all this, of course, in uh, relation to the news. The Paul Gallon set to fight twice in one night against Justin Hodges and Ben Hennett. The uh, nitty-gritty details to be sorted out, but it will be Thursday, September fifteen at Nissan Arena there in Brisbane. I'll tell you what, imagine the crowd. Gal's going to lap it up. They're going to absolutely give it to him. Oh, I'll try and give it to him. But Gal's <laughs> heard it all before. It's not going to affect him. The only way that Gal would be 
looking at losing is if he had to have a rest between fights. Mm. I mean, I, I, what I've seen of Ben Hennett and Hodjo, those two will not trouble him. Mm. No. And he'll be able to go back-to-back back easily. And if he does it for three minutes, four three-minute rounds on each of them, oh, he's just too fit. Yeah. These are the sto- sort of stories you love to hear, Loz. The Bell Conan Sharks on the text line here had their club training night and Josh Hodgson and Corey Harawira Naira both came for the hour at 6pm. The kids loved it, says Raider Man. So good to see some of the Raiders getting out and about to their junior clubs. Adam Pengilly, morning to you. Morning, Jared. Loz Mossy. Uh, now, Peter Snowden, he's outlined the Everest plans for Mazu. Yeah, he's speaking very bullishly about him, isn't he, Jared? Uh, suggesting that Marzu will go into the Everest third up, and he wouldn't stop him for any other horse at all at this stage. So it's a massive call from Peter Snowden. We know how good Marzu was going through the grades, last preparation, culminating in that Group 1 win up there in the Doom and 10,000 on a very wet track at Eagle Farm in May. So he'll get his preparation all sorted out and be uh, ready to rock and roll third up into the Everest. And uh, he's a horse on the rise, isn't he? So we'll wait and see how he comes back to the races. With that unique sort of two-year deal he's got for the Everest, got, obviously got plenty of time to try and get him ready for this year's race, and they can sort of plan 12 months of getting in for next year's race. So can't wait to see him back at the race in the next few weeks. Will we see alligator blood down in Victoria? Oh, I don't know, Loz. This, this tail just keeps twisting and turning, doesn't it? The latest news is that Racing Victoria blocked this plan by alligator blood's owners to have living legends take a, a share of the horse to reduce Alan Andrews's, um share to a minority stake. So... Unfortunately, at this stage, it doesn't look like he's going to be racing in Victoria unless they try something drastic. And I think the only way they can sort of break this impasse, I suppose, is, is transfer the entire ownership to a to a third party to satisfy Racing Victoria. Because at this stage, it seems that any interest that Alan Andrews has in the horse, they won't let him race in Victoria. I know that Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott are desperate to get him down there and get him going down in Melbourne because they want to target the Cox Plate. They think he'd be really competitive in that race. So... Uh, still a little bit to play on this front, but the time, uh, the clock is ticking and time is wasting away. They need to get him back to the trials and get him fit for the races. Morning, Ads. Uh, Mossy here, mate. New Zealand uh, had a bit of a tragedy with a jockey dying after a race fall. Yeah, just horrible news, Mossy. Uh, it's been a really distressing time in the racing industry in the last probably five or six weeks over here in Australia as well. A number of really serious race falls. Thankfully, like most of those jockeys who have been injured slowly on their way to recovery. But unfortunately, over there in New Zealand, a jockey by the name of Taiki Yanagida uh, had a horrible fall at Cambridge last week. He was put in an induced coma, had very severe in, uh, brain and spinal injuries, unfortunately passed away yesterday. So his family flew across from Japan to, to be with him by his bedside. Uh, unfortunately, he's passed away. And he's done a bit of riding over here in Australia, I'm led to believe as well. did a bit of riding for the Snowdens and did some track work for Tracy Bartley, I believe, over here in Australia when he was learning his craft. And... Had ridden plenty of winners over there in New Zealand, including some winners at stakes level. So a lot of people in the New Zealand racing industry are in shock at the moment. Um, our condolences go out to his family and friends. Just a, an absolutely terrible tragedy. Oh, awful news. Uh, racing on the Kenzo today. Yesterday, Tommy Berry told us he thinks perfect thought in the first is a group horse. And a lot of punters, are, well, they think it'll be winning today because it's been back from 6 into $3.30 in favourite. Uh, what's your fancy on the Kenzo today? Yeah, I reckon there's another group horse later in the program, Jared. Race seven of the five psychiatrists. He's coming back as a three-year-old this campaign. Obviously, as a two-year-old, he ran that Todman Stakes and ran really well behind Sajada and a couple of other really nice horses in Boyfriend and Charlatan. And just liked his trial at Warwick Farm this time in. Uh, it's a race where I don't think a whole heap of speed. He can probably be stood across from that outside gate, take the lead under Timmy Clark and be really hard to run down. So... Just thinking from natural progression from a two to, two-year-old to three-year-old, taking on the older horses, he should be able to go very close to winning today. So that's race seven, number five, psychiatrist. $3.90 with Tab. Just made me think, Loz, how many times on this show have we heard the line, it's going to be a group horse? 
oh. how many have become crewmen. <laughs> I've fallen into that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, it, it, it's potentially a group horse. <laughs> And you just put your hard earned on, and it just never ever does anything. Have any of them become group horses None when of they've them? been declared? Oh, there was one, and I think, I think, <laughs> Tommy rode his horse Trope. There's a horse called Trope. Oh, oh the one. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, this well, is going it, back it, a few it, years ago, and and the, the it was, boom on that. It was get back run on. Yeah, big time. But the boom on that was just like. Just it is enormous. Oh well, it, it was a back your next start horse every time, yeah. wasn't it, Adam? He was a bludger of a horse, Jared. He had plenty of ability, but his racing pattern was an absolute stinker. <laughs> oh. I remember Trophy. He was, a, he was an extremely hard horse to catch. <laughs> anyway, psychiatrist today. Race seven, number five, $3.90. Adam's tip. Thanks so much, mate. Have a good day. See you, boys. Chat tomorrow. We will chat tomorrow. Um, yeah, interesting question. Morning, guys. Hypothetically, what happens if Paul Gallen gets knocked out with a lucky punch in the first fight? Does that mean the other two will fight the second fight? And by the way, Mossy, a little bit of neutral conversation about the Premier League would be nice, not only towards Liverpool. Come on, United. Uh, well, we'll get to the United part in a second. But, uh, I mean, if Gal does get knocked out in the first fight, I mean, that's not, not going to be happening. No, he won't be getting knocked out. Yeah. No, Gal- but obviously, it can happen in boxing. Yeah, 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 it, it can. But, no, I think Gal has got those two blokes covered. Mm. Um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I just can't see that happening. Gallaby just too good. And just for this United fan, Mossy hasn't put their name down. They've been absolutely copying it, United. Over reports, they were looking to sign 33-year-old striker Marco Anatovic, who's played in the Premier League for a few years there for West Ham and Stoke. He's now at Bologna in Italy, but reports overnight are that United aren't going to pursue Anatovic now. But... Uh, Gee, I'll tell you what, not the sort of names that you used to old, or you know, the authorities there at Old Trafford pursuing, that's for sure. No, that's right. But that's that's been their, their lot in recent years. Probably aside from Ronaldo, who, you know, again was a, a player at, you know, the other end of his career, I suppose. But he came back and he produced last season, like, no doubt about it. He scored goals and, and created goals for, for Manchester United. But it's... Again, it goes back to what I was saying. I've said many, many times since Sir Alex Ferguson left, what is their identity? What do they stand for? And, okay, it's a new Eric Ten Hag era now, but the the headlines around Ronaldo has been disrupting during pre-season. He didn't do his pre-season with the team. So what sort of fitness state he's in at the moment, no one really knows. Um, And now talking about players like Anatovic, who, who was a quality player, don't get me wrong, but... That's not what Manchester United should be about. Um, so, yeah, some worrying times for them. And uh, and I'll take your point. Thanks for that, uh, whoever wrote in without the name. Um, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I don't talk about Liverpool again this season. <laughs>